I speak to you now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Last Sunday, we considered what it means to be servants of righteousness, especially as we live in a culture that thinks, according to what Archbishop Michael Ramsey called the secular mind, the worldly mindset, a material viewpoint, the secular mind. How can we be servants of the Lord God Almighty and yet live and function in a world where the eternal is dismissed. The epistle this morning offers us some insights. St. Paul told the church in Rome, if through the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. In other words, there is a way to do this. There is a way forward, and it has to do with the Holy Spirit. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. Paul went on to tell the Romans, you have not received a spirit of servitude again unto fear. You have received a spirit of sonship in which we cry aloud, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. St. Paul was talking about something that is real and true and actual, even though it's invisible. And there are a lot of things that are real and true and actual, even though they're invisible. The wind, the bond of friendship, love, all of these are real and true and actual, but they're invisible. What Paul was talking about was this spirit of sonship through the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts. He assures us, he reminds us, he tells us that we are the children of God. Even when we have forgotten about the Lord on a particular day, he will come to us by his Holy Spirit and speak that word in a still, small voice and say, remember who you are. You belong to God. It's a simple and powerful, but powerful point. How can we live and function in a world that operates according to the secular mind and dismisses what is eternal only with the help of the Holy Spirit who daily speaks to us and reminds us you are the child of God. You are an heir of his everlasting kingdom. You are a servant of righteousness. You are, as we shall in a few minutes tell Elizabeth, you are a member of Christ. You're a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus, and his spirit has come to dwell in you. 
These words tell us something different from what maybe a lot of people would say if you ask them about their faith. If we ask people, why do you believe in God? I bet that there'd be a lot of answers like this. So that I can be a good person. So that I can be a, de a decent citizen. So that I can believe. What we're talking about goes beyond those things as important as they are. We're talking about something that involves our whole person, our whole life. The child of God, in other words, does not have a uniform that is taken off at the end of the day. We're his children because he adopted us. He has actually come to live in us and taken us into his family. The Lord has made a relationship with us through his son and he offers to deepen that relationship and to continue it by uniting us to himself through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. With that divine power and grace, we can live with joy and purpose and hope in this secular world. That said, there is a daily effort required on our part. We all know this. The living and eternal God, the holy and blessed Trinity, has not come to live in us for nothing. He's come to give us new life. The same life of, of his risen son. The life that conquered all the powers of sin and death and hell. We receive that new life for a purpose. And that is to bring glory to God. But how does that work? After all, we're only humans with all kinds of pressures, fears, anxieties, weaknesses, temptations, and failures. I've got a room full of those things. In her book, entitled Concerning the Inner Life, Evelyn Underhill used a helpful analogy to explain how we can live as the children of God in a secular world, how we can bear fruit while living in a world of pressure and a world that does not value what we do as Christians. Here's, a, here's her illustration. What type of house does the soul live in, she asks. It's a two-story house, she says. We know that we have a ground floor, for example, a natural life biologically conditioned with animal instincts and desires and needs. And this life is very important for its builder and maker is God. But we also know that we have an upper floor in this house, a supernatural life with supernatural possibilities, the capacity for God. And that floor is more important still. If we try to live on one floor alone, we destroy the mysterious beauty of what it means to be human 
and of what we're called to as the people of God. We are created both in time and eternity. Therefore, a full and wholesome spiritual life can never consist in just living upstairs and forgetting to consider the ground floor with its needs and uses. Since we are two-story creatures called to a natural and a supernatural status, both sense and spirit must be rightly maintained and kept in order. The house is built for God to reflect on each level, both downstairs and upstairs, something of his unlimited perfection. She closes with this final thought. Downstairs, we are mindful. We must be mindful of our limitations and how we're called to deal rightly with the obligations the world puts upon us. We can deal with these rightly through the virtues of justice, prudence, self-control, and courage. We can deal with them by being honest in all of our dealings. Upstairs, we may lay hold of the heavenly powers, the virtues of faith, charity, and hope. The soul's house will never be a real home unless the ground floor is as cared for and as habitable as the beautiful rooms upstairs. The whole house is meant to be beautiful, and it should be beautiful, for it comes from God and was made to be His design. This kind of all hit home for me because the old house that um, is in our family, uh, the old house at Wickham that flooded two years in a row uh, from the St. John River flooding, and uh, the upstairs was fine. But if we ignored the ground floor and didn't clean out all the, the uh, silt from the river, and cut the uh, rock and plaster so that they, they weren't molding. If we didn't do that, uh, we would just have a mess that we would be tracking upstairs to the second floor. So as, as much as we wanted to ignore the mess downstairs, we, we were continually bringing it upstairs until we dealt with it. And uh, even after we tried to deal with it, we brought the mess upstairs. All the baseboards that had to be pried off, we laid upstairs. It's only, only this summer that we've begun to really deal with the full of impacts of two years of flooding. It's just a simple point that if we try to be Sunday Christians only, we will never deepen in this relationship, in this communion with the Lord. If I don't treat the waitress with respect, if I cheat on my taxes, if I drive like a maniac, if I 
think that my neighbor, the one who lives down the hall from me in, in my apartment building, uh, is an idiot and don't make any attempt to pray for that person, then I am only kidding myself. My second floor uh, godliness, so-called, will be paper thin. You've heard it said that really what Evelyn Underhill is talking about is that we are not to be Sunday Christians only, but rather we are to worship the Lord and follow Christ Jesus every day. Little, seemingly unimportant, distasteful, monotonous, ground floor tasks must be dealt with properly, Christianly, to the beauty of the whole house. I wonder if St. Paul was thinking about this challenge when he wrote, We are children of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. Suffering occurs, as you know much better than I, on various levels. There's the great physical pain and the humiliation of uh, being insulted in the workplace. And there is the suffering of trying to do the right thing day after day in difficult circumstances. Suffering is part of the ground floor and second floor tasks as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In today's gospel, Jesus told his disciples they would recognize a true prophet by their fruits. His word is a call to us to live faithfully on both stories of our house. So what we watch on television, what we do on the computer, what we put on Facebook, all of that is ground floor stuff, but it's definitely part of bearing fruit and being servants of righteousness. It is an essential piece of the life of prayer, of following Jesus. The first and great commandment is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is to love our neighbor as ourself. God is no fool. He knows if the second floor activity is authentic by the way we live on the ground floor. He knows whether we love him whether we really love him by the way we treat our neighbor. As Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Not just words, but actions. Not just lip service, but faithfulness. The morning prayer service says, not only with our lips, but in our lives. The human condition involves living on both floors, in time and in eternity. It's no easy task, but it is possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. We receive the Spirit of truth. Imagine that. 
the one who wants to lead us to a closer walk with the Lord, the one who offers to help us grow in wisdom and understanding, discernment and courage. He has come to lead us and to help us, to speak to us deep in our hearts when we're wondering, when we're afraid, when we're off our game. He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and helps us to cry again, Abba, Father. Brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the manner of the flesh. For if we live after the manner of the flesh, with a secular mind, with a material mindset, we will die. But if through the Spirit we mortify the deeds of the body, we will live. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen.